0: You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin Fans for Miami Dolphin Fans. Your source for entertaining dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike with the Fans Podcast. Uh, Tonight I've got Jim Johnson. Hey all. And Louis Ragone. Hi Dolphins. And we've got your questions we're going to go ahead and try and answer. The first one I'm going to ask, I'm going to direct towards Jim. Uh, Jim, where do you think the uh, pass rush is going to come from? Uh, Brandon Cole was wondering, and I think it's that's a pretty good question.
1: Well, let me get my crystal ball out, and we'll see if we can see where the, where the, the rush is going to come from. We do have Charles Harris still on the squad, and he was drafted as a pass rusher. Uh, we've got to hope that he's going to bulk up and hopefully as a outside linebacker can generate some push and some rush Uh, from there you know i hate to even go here but with our current staff we're kind of stuck with it the patriots never have had much of a you know, a big Pro Bowl-type edge rusher. They they blitz from different places. Uh, they use different personnel, be it a cornerback, be it a linebacker, or a defensive end of some type. So, you know, the scheme is gonna be different. They're gonna mix it up. It's not gonna be the same vanilla defense that, that we've been watching for several years, and, and hopefully that becomes more productive than what we've had in the past. But obviously, losing Cameron Wake, we've got some big holes to fill. It's going to be very difficult. You know, we did sign the linebacker Van Ginkel. Uh, you know, he's going to he's going to be one of those. Oh, we we drafted drafted him. That's what I meant. Well, we signed dra- drafted and then signed, um, and he's that situational pass rusher type. So you could get some push there. But I think. You know we're going to see a lot more different stunt type of defensive plays that are going to create pressure from places the offense isn't expecting. So as far as who's going to be doing that I think you're going to see linebackers, you're going to see cornerbacks, even, even a safety in the mix. It's, it's going to come from a lot of different directions rather than the two defensive ends in my opinion.
0: Who knows? It may come from Wilkins too.
1: Well, no doubt. I mean, yeah, you know, you, all your interior guys—that's their objective—is to is to get to the quarterback, push push the offensive line back, and create pressure. So, you know, we've got Godchild that was having some success, and and Taylor, and now Wilkins in the middle. So there'll be some pressure, but you're not going to see ten and fifteen sacks from these guys. But if they can collapse the pocket, then their job is done. Jim, you hit it right on. It's going to come from. Pretty much
2: everywhere on the field, if this regime does or brings over basically what they did in New England, you hit it right on. You answered the question. I think that's you know I'm in the same you know I'm in the same boat with you in regard to uh, thought process in regard to where it's going to come from. They're going to send it in all different ways, and they have to because they don't have a guy on this team as far as from what I can see, unless somebody develops into it. But right now they don't have a guy that's a Cameron Wake or Jason Taylor type. So they are going to have to do some interesting things. And you know what? It'd be refreshing to see that because the defense over the last couple of years has been basically, you know, you look at them week to week and they look like they're playing the same defense regardless of what offense they're facing. So... Yeah, you know, I'm in total agreement with you as far as uh, where that pass rush is going to come from.
1: Yeah, I mentioned our vanilla defense, and it's been predictable at best. You know, we we've have had some edge rushers, and, you know, Cameron Wake has been double teamed. You know, as an offensive coordinator, you have to say, well, where's Cameron Wake? And he's almost always in that same position. If you game plan for that, you can, you know, pretty much eliminate that one guy from most plays making an impact obviously uh Cameron Wake always made his plays but if you mix it up and move it around you know it's a lot easier per se to surprise that offensive lineman or the running back or the tight end or whoever is supposed to be picking up something uh if it's coming from a new place and you're looking left and it comes right then you know next thing you know the quarterback's on the ground so we've got to hope that that uh New uh, plan is successful.
0: Well, yeah, it took you a long time to get there, but I, I, I absolutely agree with where you went. Uh, you know, it, it's supposed to be unpredictable. It's supposed to keep the offense guessing and on their toes. And if it works, it's great. Uh, you know, we'll have to see how it works. But uh, no, I definitely agree with the both of you guys. Uh, it, it's going to be something that were that you know that could be different every single week, and it could come from a different place every single down. We're just going to have to see how successful they are. Michael Palumbo asked, who would the safeties be if Jones was traded?
2: It's kind of obvious. I mean, Fitzpatrick obviously would be there, and um, McDonald. Past those two guys, uh, you know, we have a few other guys that may wind up fitting a role like that. But I, I think Rashad, type of person and the type of player he's been, he he's an important part going forward. You know, I talk about bridges all the time, and and he he's the type of guy that will bring in these young players and help them. I mean, other than the situation that he had with Gase last year, the guy has been, you know, a top-notch guy on in in this organization, and I really don't want to see him get traded. If it does happen, you know, there there's guys that I'm sure they'll be able to fill in in that position, but I think he brings a lot more than just his actual, you know, play play on the field to the team. I think he's a very, very important guy, especially with a coaching staff that has not been here. You know, Rashad is going to know a lot more about what these players are capable of at this point than the coaching staff itself. Now, obviously they'll learn as they go forward, but, Right now, Rashad Jones would be a major, major help to this team. And I think that, you know, trading him would be a major mistake. But we'll see what happens. And, and again, the thing is, is how what are you really going to get for him at this point in his career? Is it worth trading for a sixth or seventh round pick to give up that guy? I don't think so. I think you keep him here.
0: I think you do, too. Now, Kirk Marks asked, what are the odds of a Jones trade? And uh, as we just alluded to, I don't think it's really all that high unless something happens that we're not seeing.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, do they have a true replacement for him back there? Do you, do either one of you guys know of somebody that could just step in and do what, you know, bring to the table what he brings week in and week out?
0: Well, you'd probably put McDonald in the box and uh, put Fitz, Fitzpatrick at free safety, right?
2: <laughs> right, but that that eliminates Fitzpatrick from doing other things. And we can kind of get into that real quickly before we move on to the next question. Something came out today in regard to what FitzPatrick is going to be doing and how he's going to be used. Now, I don't know if either one of you guys saw that, but they're going to move they're going to use him at linebacker, they're going to use him in the nickel position and they're going to use him at safety. And that's something similar to what New England does with a lot of their players. He's such a versatile player that I would hate to see him just obligated to playing one position on this team. So if you, if you do in fact trade Rashad Jones, then you're taking that flexibility away that you have with a guy that can can just create so many issues for the offense. So again, you know, another reason as to why you should keep Rashad Jones around.
1: Yeah, I, you've got guys like Walt Akins that that can fill some roles in the safety position, but you know, I'm still, can he though? Yeah. <laughs> we I, haven't seen him do I know, it. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> yeah. I said he, he, he can, as in, uh, like he can go out there and, and take snaps. Can he right. be successful is another story, but, you know, we keep talking about, you know, this coaching staff putting, uh, players in a position to succeed. And, you know, if you, if you put the personnel in the right places, you know, it can work, but, you know, I, I'm still kind of, pissed off to be honest with you about Rashad Jones I don't care if he had an issue with Gase I don't care who has had an issue with he quit on the team and that's something that's difficult for some players to get past so you know it is what it is if his shoulder is healed well and he can play like he did a couple years ago then I'd be glad to have him on the team and playing well and getting back to the chances of uh, of a trade partner I think there's a very small market out there for for him as a trade person just because of his contract details and all and and we were real deep in in safeties earlier in the year so you know league wide so I I think the chances are very slim that we can trade Jones off.
0: Okay. So Steve Medima asked a couple of questions and I'm going to ask them both together. Uh First one is how how would Harris benefit from a scheme change, and the second one is is there a single uh, defensive lineman or outside linebacker who consistently set the edge? So since we're talking linebackers, we might as well talk about linebackers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I gotta be uh, I gotta be honest with you here. You know, switching this defense around, you know, you're you're asking your linebackers to really have a different job out there. Uh, We haven't had linebackers setting the edges very much Boy, I I really don't see that type of linebacker on our roster to be perfectly honest with you You know, that's a catch-22. It's 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 a whole new deal out there. You know uh, Baker is Maybe the speediest linebacker we have but can he hold up in the run game things like that so i don't know that's a catch 22 on the on the set in the edge that's a tricky detail you know you walk the line too far and the play goes underneath you and if you if you don't go deep enough they go around the edge so that's going to remain to be seen and how how we can contain the edges
0: what about harris uh do you think he will benefit from uh scheme change
1: well i have to hope so i really do uh harris didn't show us much I'm hoping that if he's standing up without his hand in the dirt, that that extra half a step or half a second gives him a little bit more of an edge getting around, getting into the backfield. But again, as far as holding the edge, that's just something that I don't, I'm not sure about yet.
2: Yeah, the verdict's still out on on Harris. He hasn't showed me much up to this point. Um, I don't know, Mike. What percentage of of plays did he was he on the field for last year? I mean, I would think that you would have
0: those numbers. Uh, I, I don't in front of me. I mean, off the top of my head, I would say probably 30-40%. Yeah,
2: I you know, so the fact is the guy's got it. The guy's got to step up and play one way or another. He's a first-round draft pick and you know, the verdict's still out on him. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt because last year was his rookie season, but at this point you know coming into this season he's got to start producing he's got to be productive out there and i didn't see enough of that from him last year to really have an opinion on him this year and again you know we keep talking about schemes and this new regime we may find him on the bench for all we know you know if it could, he's not it doing his happen. job it could happen <laughs> so you know until we start seeing these guys on the field and making plays, then you know it's really hard to speculate on a guy that really hasn't shown us much up to this point.
0: One guy I will say I think can set the edge is is the uh, defensive end Jonathan Woodard. I, I think he's had some success at that in the past, so he might be somebody we can count on a little bit. He, he's he's certainly not an all star, and he's going to get beat from time to time, but uh, he is a guy who's who's fairly good at it.
2: Well, I mean, did we did we set the edge real well last year? To me, it didn't seem like we did, even with Wake and Quinn on the field. We we struggled, and their replacement struggled. So there's got to be a ton of improvement there. There's no question about it. And, you know, hopefully they have guys that are in camp and the coaching staff does a much better job on the defensive side putting these guys in position to do just that.
0: Uh, Joseph Kusanata asked, uh, other than wins, would it be a good season if they play hard and show improvement? And I, I think the answer is in the question. <laughs> you know, uh, if, if they don't have a lot of wins, what you're going to look for is them to play hard and show improvement. So I would I would have to answer that yes. Um, I'm sure you guys agree with that, right?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if If they go out, and even if they're winning – to some extent, and they're winning ugly. You know, wouldn't you rather just see them playing incredibly well and and maybe losing as compared to winning football games ugly?
0: I don't because know. that's what Can we I
2: think about that one. Well, I mean, it, it it I know it's really tough, but if you think about it, and the and the way that we've won games over the last few years, you come out of those those games saying. What in They're the not hell? very good. Yeah. What in the hell did I just see? I watched us play horrible football for three quarters, and then Wilson or somebody else would break a big playoff and we'd pull a game out. The point is, is that you absolutely have to see improvement. You have to see guys developing and the players that are going to be there when the team makes that turn. You don't want a team that's 6-10, and six and 10, 7 and 9, 8 and 8. You want to see a team that's in the playoffs every year, and to get to that point you have to see improvement week in and week out all over the place. So
1: pretty yeah. simple. The main thing I want to see is is sound fundamental football and you know, the last yes. few years we watched the Dolphins play and you know, when I say sound, fundamental football, you, I
0: mean, you, you need to be in the right place. You Let's just call a spade a spade. This has been the dumbest football team I've ever watched.
1: Oh, it's, it's mind-boggling. You know, when it's third down and a play is important, that's when the whatever player just drops the ball doesn't go full speed doesn't make his block doesn't do his assignment the list goes on and on
0: and on uh, false starts and, and false starts and false starts just yeah, dumb things i mean
1: when it matters most we had like every possible breakdown there could be and those are the things that i want to see eliminated if if a uh, if a defensive back gets beat for a, for a great pass, I can live with that. That's going to happen. But if he's 5 or 10 yards away and the defensive back and the safety are looking at each other, throwing their hands up, that's a problem. And this is what we've been seeing over the last few years. So those are the things we've got to get, get past
0: yeah no i agree with you i I do think he'll be calling for the cornerback's head in either case though well
1: i mean if he makes a bad play (laughs) fine but you know i mean you know we watched a guy you know a five foot ten cornerback brent grimes you know and and his his wife got more famous than he did but you know he made some spectacular plays when he wasn't the biggest the tallest you know the best corner out there but he made plays if you if he got up against an elite quarterback and a and a six foot four receiver, then most times he got beat because it wasn't physically possible. But he did make a lot of plays, and you know, that's what we need to see. You know, we sound signed Xavier Howard, but you know, we can't have whoever the cornerback and Rashad Jones or whoever, you know, looking at one another like what happened? You know, this that kind of stuff has to has to be eliminated. Absolutely.
0: Hey, guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do do run a Facebook group. Uh, It's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, Let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. All right, guys. um, Chris Redifer asks, which assistant will have the biggest impact?
2: Huh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, they all, to some extent, have to have an impact. The biggest impact, the quarterbacks. Caldwell is going to be very important in regard to, uh, you know, Rosen showing us something going forward the offensive line coach has really got his work cut out for him uh it, that, that's tough mike that really is um jim you may want to go ahead with this one because um i don't have much more to say other than what i just <laughs> said on that one
1: well i gotta be honest with you like you did mention lou uh, the quarterbacks coach the off- offensive line coach these guys have a lot of things they've got to get aligned we've had such poor play from the offensive line and we've got two new quarterbacks you know a whole new offensive game plan uh o'shea is going to have his his work cut out for him i do think uh, brian flores is kind of going to oversee the defensive side of the ball a bit more than the offensive side just basically because that's what he's been accustomed to so i think O'Shea and those other assistants on the offensive side of the ball are the ones that are going to have to step up the most that offensive line coach is going to be a huge deal for me and you did mention caldwell he's going to be a good addition as well but i mean what's a guy going to do with ryan fitzpatrick i mean he's a 14 or 15 year veteran you know a new coach isn't going to suddenly make him into a super bowl champion so whether he can do something for josh rosen and and get him back in the groove remains to be seen but i think it's got to be on the offensive side of the ball
0: well i agree with you guys i was looking at the offensive line coach uh, pat flarity uh he's been an offensive line coach for 15 years he's supposedly a very good one uh he's the right guy to come in here and and help that offensive line and and for caldwell to have success with rosen he's got to do that so he's, he's my pick for that reason.
2: Right. And those two are the two most experienced coaches that we have on our, on our team right now, yep. right? Yep. Yes. Yep. So,
0: all right. Chris also asks uh, with uh, Drake, Bellage, and Gaskins, are we leaning towards a committee approach? And I would think yes. What do you guys think?
2: Yes, absolutely. That's, that's the way it goes in the NFL nowadays, it is done by committee. Uh, the fact that they brought in a fullback in the draft leads you to believe that they're going to have all different types of packages in regard to their running backs. So you would absolutely have to go with, uh, you know, by committee. You know, with a guy like Drake, he brings so much to the table because he can catch the football. So you can use him on first, second, and third down. Belage can run the ball hard inside the 20-yard line. The new kid, we'll see what he's, you know, he what he's made of. The fullback, again, you know, in certain packages, he's going to be a key player. You know, inside the twenty, inside the five, inside the ten, wherever. So yeah, they're, they'll definitely do it by committee. And personally, I think that Belage and Drake are two really good running backs. So we're kind of at that position. I think we're pretty strong. I'm not. I don't have any problem with either one of those guys. They both were somewhat productive last year. Drake kind of took a step backwards, but we'll we'll see where he goes this year. He's a dynamic player. He brings a lot to the table. So yes, it, it'll be it'll definitely be done by committee. No question.
1: I got to agree with you, Lou. And the main reason there's two reasons for it. Number one, there's no one guy that stands out more than the others to to want to feed the rock to 25 times a game and the second thing is is uh, if they use a a similar uh, offensive arrangement as the Patriots did which is a strong possibility uh, they like to use you know similar play trees uh, with different personnel so you know they're gonna line up and what looks the same but they're gonna change it slightly to throw you off guard so it's gonna be Moe, Larry, and Curly out there—you know, one of the Three Stooges is going to get the ball.
0: <laughs> well, you know, the, the other advantage to, to having a committee approach is the touches are down for each guy, and uh, when it times to, when it comes time to sign their contracts, they're not as valuable. It, it helps you financially. You know, I Chris Holt.
1: I'm sorry, yeah, Mike. I'd love to see you know Drake have an explosive year and and really break some records, but. You know, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be you know limited touches for all three of them.
0: Chris asks, what does Gizecki need to do numbers wise to be considered productive? And I would say more than he did last year.
2: <laughs> God, anything numbers more than what he did last
1: year.
0: How about yeah? I mean, how about n- you know how many touchdowns? How many catches? What do you guys think?
1: Boy, well, go ahead, Jim. I'd say you know he needs to have he needs to have six to eight touchdowns. The biggest thing I want to see from him is to not fall down, not trip, keep his feet, and make some plays. If you lose your feet, you're already out of the play. And, you're done. <laughs> and, you know, he, he if he was blocking, if he was getting hit or bumped at the line going out on a route he would he would be stumbling so effectively out of the play so he needs to get stronger and be able to maintain his balance and i think if he can do that he'll be very productive because if he's upright and can reach for a pass he's a great target so he just needs to figure out how to maintain his balance and i just
0: think he needs to settle down and play
1: yeah well that's the thing i don't know if it's if he's overexcited or if he's nervous or what he is out there but you know you watch it you watch somebody bumping him just a little bit on the line and he's like almost on the ground it's like well he hardly touched you what's the deal we we keep reverting back
2: to New England and and how they use their personnel and it's quite obvious that tight end is a major major part of what they do successfully on offense now if we're going to and we keep assuming that we are going to do a lot of the things that New England does We don't know that for a fact, but again, we would assume. With that being said, if that is in fact the case, then Jacecki has to create mismatches when he's on the field because that's what New England does best. They create mismatches. They put the defense... That's why you
0: used a second-round pick on him.
2: Exactly right. He's a second-round pick, and he's a guy that absolutely has to be productive for number one, that reason, and number two, for the simple fact that if they do, in fact, implement the tight ends like New England does, he has to do the job. He, he absolutely has to. So anything, I mean, he did literally next to nothing last year. So if we get, you know, 40 to 50 catches out of him, and he, like like someone said, I don't know if it was you or Jim, Mike, six to eight touchdowns, that's a phenomenal season for a guy. I'll take that all day long.
0: Jim said that, and I agree. Yes. This is probably my favorite question of the night only cuz it makes me laugh. What is holding back Parker?
1: <laughs> I I think I think he got a piece of his jersey under his little fingernail and it, that's that's been bothering him.
0: I hate to make fun of him. I really do. And and I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to say this. He's got to want it. And yes. it just hasn't appeared like he does. Agreed.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, I I've never seen a guy so unfortunate in life to where he can't get on the field for a couple of games in a row. How many years has he been with us now?
0: This is his, what, fourth year? Fourth or fifth year.
1: Yeah, yeah I think it's. I think this is his fifth year, to be Please honest. Please tell with. me it's not his yeah. fifth. Yeah,
0: it, it, is, it is his fifth. I think he picked it, up his yeah, fifth year exactly, option. It absolutely yeah, is. Right, exactly. and,
1: and
2: that's insane. The fact that over... I mean, this guy is either the unluckiest football player in the history of the NFL, or, like you said, Mike, he just... He's got to he, want it. He's got to want it. And I don't... Me, personally, I thought it was a mistake re-signing him. Obviously, they see something in him, this new coaching staff that they can work with, and hopefully that's the case. Maybe he turns it around this year, but... We've been saying this for the last couple of years now and it hasn't developed. So let's just hope that things change. I, I, don't, I mean,
0: he's got the wingspan, he's got the hands, he you know He's he, got he, everything. He, he's got everything and he's gotta do it. He's just gotta do it. You know, we, we, we always are talking about Kuchenberg for a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons is on Sunday, I don't care what was wrong with him, he was out there. Absolutely. And you gotta have guys like that, and those guys have to win you games. And Parker needs to be one of those guys. Absolutely. Has to be because we don't have a number one receiver if he's not that guy. Yeah,
1: it's it, it's definitely some sort of motivation for him. And I, you know, I just don't understand why these guys. Well, I understand why they just coasting and collecting the money. It, it, there's just no gotta have it, gotta want it. You know, you see no urgency with him. You none. you see him make a spectacular catch, you know, just phenomenal all the way around and you get so excited and then the rest of the game he disappears and, you know, he doesn't even look like he's really trying out there and when you look at the cornerback that's covering him, you know he can beat that guy and it's just not happening. So,
0: well, hopefully they have confidence in the quarterback, they have confidence in the offensive line and they do their job. There you go. Uh, now, we, we've gone all this time, and we haven't mentioned the quarterbacks other than a little bit when we talked about the coach. Um, Michael Palumbo asked, uh, who starts week one, Rosen or Fitzpatrick? And his second question is, if Rosen doesn't uh, start, does that mean he's not the answer?
2: <laughs> well, that doesn't, if he doesn't start in week one, that doesn't necessarily mean that he is not the answer. Uh, With that being said, you would love to have him start week one and you'd love to have him starting the rest of the season. Uh, This is a guy you you invested a second-round pick in and you want to see him in every possible scenario. I want him out there from week one for that reason. I want him playing up in New England, playing up in New York, playing up in Buffalo, playing home games where – the fans might be booing him on his home field. He's got to experience all of that, and we have to see what we have. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a you know, broken record, but we've talked about this on previous shows, and in my opinion, he's got to be out there. We have to see what we have going into next year's draft because if he is not, in fact, the answer, then we have to go forward – with somebody else. And the only way we're going to do that is by him being out there as much as possible. Now, if he doesn't start week one, then there's some sort of problem. Hopefully, he's not having a horrible preseason to where Fitzpatrick winds up starting over him. Because in my opinion, that's the only way he is going to be starting in week one. I honestly don't feel that this coaching staff wants to have Fitzpatrick out there for any Extended playing time at any point in this season, you know what you have in the guy. Fitzpatrick's been a journeyman quarterback. He's he's a good quarterback, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to bring you to the next level. So whether whether he fails, I gotta
0: call him an amped up Matt Moore.
2: Right. Whether whether Rosen fails or not, he's got to be out there so he can be evaluated and in every possible situation. So, uh, th- th- those are my thoughts on it.
1: Jim? Realistically, if you, if you forget, you know, picking up Rosen, and, you know, for a second rounder, and you forget signing Fitzpatrick, uh, and you look at him with a clean slate, you know, Fitzpatrick is a 14-year vet. He's got a big advantage over Rosen just because of the confidence and the relax, relaxed, relaxed you know mentality that he's going to have he knows the drill he knows what's going on he knows how to run an offense he knows what to do in the huddle blah 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 but you want to play whoever appears to want it you know Rosen should be highly motivated uh he was a top talent coming out uh you know arguably you know the top one two or three of the of the four guys drafted last year Uh, so you want to see him grab a hold of it with both hands and kick its ass. Whether he'll do that or not remains to be seen. I want to see Rosen start. But you know, I didn't see much that I liked down in Arizona. So, I would be happier if I saw him pick the team up once or twice and make some stuff happen and and that just I just didn't see that. So, you know, as far as who's gonna start, I'm hoping Rosen is in there, but I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Fitzpatrick starts the first few games. You know, a lot of a lot of these rookie quarterbacks get burned out because they get thrown into the fire before they're ready. So that's a tough call for the coaching staff.
0: All right, he's gone through some adversity in Arizona. I think that I wanna get him out there as soon as possible as well, but if he is not, at the same level as Fitzpatrick early in the season, then I have no problem with him sitting three, four, five games. I mean, uh, Lou, if you remember, uh, we had Woodley playing in front of Marino, uh, you know, for a short time. So, I mean, it can be done. Uh, You can throw him in there a little later and still see what he is, if he is worth seeing. So that doesn't concern me as much as it concerns you. What does concern me, though, is his him getting in there and showing that leadership and, and really grabbing hold of the team. Uh, we haven't had a quarterback do that for a while, and that's something that I want to see. I don't care if he struggles a little bit, but I want to see the leadership. I want to see him overcome adversity. I want to see him rally the troops and do some of the things we, we've been wishing to see from Tannehill. Wins or losses are not as important to me right now, but... Uh, grabbing a hold and steering the ship is
2: mike what concerns me is that you just compared josh rosen to dan Marino. no
0: no no i'm comparing situations (laughs) i'm not comparing the i know i'm
2: joking but you know we're talking about marino coming in and yeah absolutely he didn't start that year woodley did uh even during the preseason we saw that marino had to be in there they just gave him a few more games and once they put him in, the rest is history. Now, right, and,
0: I, know, and, I, and Marino I, was a rookie, and this is a second-year quarterback, so that makes a difference too.
2: And I absolutely, and I told, and I totally get what you're saying, but in today's NFL, if we start going back and forth with this quarterback and this is my concern because it happened in Tampa last year. If you remember Fitzpatrick being there and and Winston and they went back and forth right. and it creates other issues. How is the how is the rest of the team going to develop right. without a solid foundation? Continuity behind center. You want the same guy out there from day 1. That's what I'm hoping for. Now Mike, abs-
1: it, okay, it can absolutely. Okay, okay. Go Lou, round. I got to cut you off right here. You just—we've had seven years of continuity with Ryan Tannehill. I'd <laughs> i would much rather see the two quarterbacks duking it out for the job than I would just handing the ball to some one guy and hoping for the best. So I'm—I'm I'm well, all good with some competition at the position. Well,
2: listen, if Rosen loses. The quarterback position to Fitzpatrick. Yeah, then we, we have problems. we have a problem, Jim. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. You know, you can't you can't go but out maybe there. Maybe not
0: from Jump Street, Lou, because no, Fitzpatrick no, no. has had the offense longer. You know, he's in the playbook more. Of course, up we, to this point, right? You know? We've
2: talked about that already. Yeah. But the point of the matter is, is that what does this team do in that situation? Do they do they say, okay, you know what, Fitzpatrick has looked better during the preseason he's looked better for all the reasons you guys already spoke of is it worth putting him out there over rosen for any length of time what are the benefits and what are going to be the negatives from it and i'm i'm just trying to present the negatives that come from all that because there definitely is i've seen it year in and year out with different teams so you know, we can go back and forth on this all night. My point is is that Rosen's got to win the job and he should be out there from from day one. We know what Fitzpatrick is. If you put him out there, really what are you what good well, is it doing? You're the
0: coach and you believe that at this point in time, you know, game 1, you believe Fitzpatrick gives you the best chance to win. That's who you're putting out there.
2: And it, that's probably going to be the case, but the question is is how much does it benefit you going forward that's my point
0: well you so, don't know that in game right,
2: one
1: right? yeah I don't right I, I think we're putting too much weight on either one of these quarterbacks I think this regime is looking at these two guys Fitzpatrick is a fill-in they know that but they needed a quarterback uh, they didn't know if they were going to get anybody else so they signed Ro- they got Rosen for a second round pick which to me isn't that big a deal uh we've we've pissed away so many second round picks on people that didn't pan out that hey it's worth a roll of the dice we've got very little uh, invested in rosen if fitzpatrick plays eight games and rosen plays eight games and and you don't think that rosen is is the guy he doesn't have the it factor that we want so then you look at 2020, and you get your, you try again. You get another guy.
0: So well, yeah, that doesn't necessarily make Rosen a failure. No, either. no, it he, doesn't. He may end up a second string exactly, quarterback for exactly. us. Exactly,
1: exactly. And I, and like I said, for what little investment we have in it, it I'm just kind of waiting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, right. Which is, which is all fine, but at
2: the end of this season. There can't be no maybes involved. It has to be a definitive answer on this guy. Absolutely, we have dealt with maybes and possibilities. Right. Hopefully, if we
0: put something around them, they'll get better. Blah blah blah. Right. Over the last
2: over the last few years, enough. I'm I'm tired of that. As a fan, I am tired of that. You have to go into next season knowing one way or another. And again. The only way you're going to do that is if this guy is on the field as much as possible. So you see him in every type of scenario there is. If, so there you have it.
0: Now you remember, in, you know, in the mid to late '80s, '86, '87, '88 in that area, you know, the Dolphins were not that great a team uh, at that point in time, and Marino went out there and he struggled, and the team struggled, but you knew watching Marino that he was still Marino. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. They weren't a great team, but you could tell the quarterback was not the problem. Uh, you know, and that doesn't mean he didn't have bad games because he did. But the point is, you watched him and you knew that he was not the problem. And I want to be able to look at a quarterback and say he is not the problem.
2: Exactly my point. And
0: by him standing on the sidelines, how are you going to do that? You can't. Well, you're not. You're not, obviously. But, you know, if he sits on the sidelines for three games, that's that's not a deal breaker,
2: Lou. Right. But if it becomes a situation where it's eight games, then it's, then uh, then it's more it's, of a problem. Then yes. it's more of a problem because this guy should really be out there from from day one in regard to a competition. If he can't beat out Fitz- Fitzpatrick, then there's an issue. That's that's my opinion. I mean, you guys— Well, there may,
0: there may be an issue, and the issue may be he just needs a little bit more time. That may be the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he did struggle in Arizona. You know, he's not coming off a successful season. So they may need to work with him a little longer than, than the preseason, you know. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but I'm saying it could possibly be the case. And if it is, I don't have a problem with that, you know. Uh, as long as they throw him out there when he's ready, and and don't throw him to the wolves, and, and try and make something out of nothing.
2: Exactly, and we will know. I mean, the minute we see him on the field, yep. in games, as you're watching him over the course of a game, we will know one way or another, regardless of the situation, that you know that he's. You know what? He's this either guy's, it or he's not. This guy's <laughs> got. This guy has something to work with. We don't have great players around him, but. He is showing us something, and that's what I want to see. So, yep. we'll, you know, we'll see how it all unfolds, and, you know. That's it. The chips fall where they may. Right? That's
0: it. It should be fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what he is and what he isn't, and uh, I'm looking forward to see how the team responds to a different quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's it's that's gonna, where I'm going to get my excitement from this season because and, there's not going to be a lot of it, I don't think.
2: Right, a new coaching staff, new quarterbacks, yeah. Uh, some good personnel coming back on offense to work with. You know, we we talk about the offensive line, but the receiving core isn't horrible. As long as Wilson and Grant come back healthy, they've got a nice core there. Their running backs are fine. They've got 15 tight ends. You know, you throw them all <laughs> up against the wall, a couple of them have got to stick. So they have something to work with. They didn't stick last year. They didn't stick. <laughs> they didn't stick. <laughs>
0: no, they-, they all slid off the wall. Yeah, no,
2: they didn't. But mostly, everybody—mostly <laughs> everybody that Tannehill worked with—slipped <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> oh Lord!
0: All right. Well, you know, you'd like to see Parker step forward, and if he does that, then it's going to make uh, the job a little bit easier for Grant and Wilson and everybody else. And I, I think that's the key. I really do. I think. The offense will go as Parker goes, and and people may wonder why I say that, but I honestly believe it. I think that uh, if he can get into any kind of a groove, then everybody else around him will have it just a little bit easier. Maybe Koseki will have it a little bit easier. Maybe Drake will have a little more space to run, you know, on third and six, you know. I just think it helps everybody, and and we're lacking that, you know. So.
2: You just made a good point in regard to third and six, Mike. How many times over the course of last year were we in better positions than a third and six and did not yep. get the job done over and over consistently. We'd get a few yards on first down, get a few yards on second down, and on third and four, third and five, third and three, we were failing at every turn. And yep. that that's what we have to see go in a different direction.
1: While the other team completes the, the third and 21 against us.
2: Exactly uh-huh. right. It's it just so frustrating, and that has to change. And but it, that starts. Go but ahead. But Hey, Jim. Kiko
1: made the tackle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah,
0: he looked good doing it yeah. too. He ran eighty yards. Yeah. yeah. Yes,
2: he <laughs> yep. did. Four, four yards past the first down marker. He missed the first two times, and then he still runs him down and catches oh, him 25 boy. yards downfield. Yeah, so. I shouldn't, shouldn't be that
1: critical, mean. but it's 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 painful to watch for me sometimes. Well, well you know what?
0: I, I, if we fix the offense, maybe we can get by with Kiko a little bit. And I think this Van Ginkle guy is going to uh, gonna be a little more than we think he might be.
2: Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, with this new coaching staff, there, there is the possibility that they use Alonzo in a way that that, that that may be effective. You know, maybe we'll see a difference, in, yep. you know, a, a whole different scenario in regard to Just Keiko. get him off the
0: field on third down. That's all I ask.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> well, you can't have him in there yeah. a, against a
0: tight end or a passing down. It just doesn't work. I can live with him on running downs, but get them off the field on third down. Put somebody else in
2: We'll there. see. That's what's going to make the season so interesting is the fact yep. that we've got a whole new coaching staff in and –
0: a different set of eyes. A different
2: set of eyes, and you know, new quarterbacks here. So it it it's gonna be a fun season. There's no question about it.
0: All right, guys. One quick question. Don't spend a long time answering it, but I want to know: What do you think of Gase, and how is he going to do in New York?
1: Go ahead, Jim. I I can't get past the flying taco uh, meme that's out there with him and his eyes at that, that press conference. conference. That's uh, that's all I can see when I think Gase. But
0: it's mean as hell. But it was it hysterical. is.
1: Uh, you know. I really don't think he's going to do very well I think there's or he's already in the middle of a bunch of turmoil in New York there and I think that city's gonna chew him up and spit him out and I think in two years he'll be gone Uh, yeah I'm
2: kind of in agreement with Jim the problem and it's not a problem for him when you have a levy on Bell and you got Mm -hmm. a young guy like Darnold they those type of guys can make you a, a hell of a lot they they can make you look a lot better than you actually are. So he's got he's got some pieces to a puzzle up there. The defensive side of the ball, he's it's got excellent. he's got some really good players. So that will help him. Now in regard to him as a coach, we saw what he brought to the table here. I really don't think he's a good coach. I think he lacks a lot of different things that that goes into being a good coach. And I, he's a very hard-headed individual, very one-sided individual. He wants things his way, and that's it. Well, and and so did
0: t- Don Shula. I don't know if you can Mike, hold that against different, him.
2: But different times. Different times. Shula coached oh, in, I a, agree with that. in a different time. Nowadays, these players are so temperamental. And they they just, it's just a dogfight. And you cannot be that way anymore as a head coach in the NFL. You have to have a gray area. And I don't think he has it. And he proved it here over and over again with a lot of different players. So we'll see. No,
0: I think he showed some immaturity for sure. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So we'll see. All right.
0: We're going to end end on that, guys. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you guys for joining me this evening. Anything else you want to say before we go?
1: I think I'm good. I just want to thank everybody for listening and uh, give everybody a big thumbs up.
0: I think that's a fins up, isn't it? No,
1: I was going thumbs up tonight. Oh, you're being different this week, huh? (laughs) All right, well, I'm giving a fins up. There you go.
2: Fins up, doll fans. We'll see you next week.